The Incomparable Number 222 November 2014 Hey, a new Star Wars trailer came out, and uh, this is the first in a series of podcasts we will uh, we'll, we'll talk about it for the next nine hours. Uh, these, these next these 80-some 80, 80 seconds. I uh, am Jason Snell, and I am joined by the two biggest Star Wars fans I know, uh, Dan Morin and John Syracuse. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> I tell you, I was so excited for this Thanksgiving vacation, and nothing to do with Thanksgiving had entirely to do with this trailer. <laughs> I could not express this to my family adequately. That that's what this holiday was about. They kept forgetting. Yeah, it's forcegiving. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I'm with you, John. So, uh, uh, do you want to talk about first impressions? Should we walk through the uh, very carefully selected, uh, you know, eighty seconds? Of- well, let me say first impressions. This is opening not statement. Opening statement. Go ahead. <laughs> This, this is not what I expected from this trailer. I don't know if uh, I, what I had in my mind, the trailer I had in my mind, this was not it. Uh, not not good or bad. I'm just saying this confounded my expectations. And when I'm trying to think of what is it that I expected to be different, the trailer in my mind has a lot more black in it, as in space <laughs> scenes. I guess yeah. I guess space scenes. And the second thing the trailer in my mind had this does not have is old familiar faces. This is all new faces, and this is, I yep. think, no space scenes, right? As far as we can tell. No. Well, yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything that takes place in outer space. I expected, like, thematically, in some ways, I felt like expecting something almost more, like, epic and grander on scale. But Oh, yeah, like starting with a whatever you call that, where the guy pops up on the screen. Yeah, that it's is, startling, that is, right? <laughs> that is different from, you know, I mean, even just the episode one trailer, very sort of somber and important and it's also got that element of something that we've kind of in some ways never really seen in a star wars movie before which is that like kind of like a like a jump you know like making you jump right because like it is like everything's calm and peaceful Ah, something's going on and like like i actually physically jumped a little bit because i was kind of like startled by you had the volume really loud too (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah i had it jacked up and also like just the sudden appearance and everything and they they time the music and all that and like it's it's very much set up to like startle and it's clearly like very tense very close shot like i felt that the, that's something that we haven't really seen and that in might a be Star a trailer only shot too sure think? sure that, that might be trailer only well because, i don't like, know i mean <sighs> well maybe they're lingering on the sand so so um the, that shot with a guy popping up and he's looking off camera and we don't see what he sees and then the camera starts to turn around him is very similar to the shot in the pilot of lost where yeah. Jack walks yeah. out onto the beach and you're seeing him see the plane crash and then very slowly it turns around and reveals what he's looking at it, which is this spectacular destruction of a plane right. crash on the beach. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it reminded me And same director, right? Uh, yeah. that, but that's what it reminded me of is that... Yeah, there's, there's and I kept waiting there. for it to pan around and show me what, what he sees. Nope. nope. Well, <laughs> oh, so they got Shaky Cam here too. When's, when's the last time we had Shaky Cam in Star Wars? Oh, jeez. Everything's very... You know, you, you think especially in the prequels when George Lucas is doing everything... Like everything's very staid and very like static. Like the camera doesn't move a lot, and that is like some of the, which is weird because that's in in counterpoint to a lot of the stuff they did very early on in the in the original trilogy, where moving like the cameras rather than moving the models a lot of the time was like made a big difference in the way they shot the special effects. Um, but the but the character scenes were almost always very conventional. 
Yeah, they didn't have motion control when they were shooting Harrison Ford. They had a motion control when they were shooting Harrison Ford's ship, which made the original right. Star Wars and the original trilogy dynamic in that, like, right, the interiors of the Millennium Falcon, you'd see shot, shot, people sitting, people standing, talked it like... Even the scenes with like Luke, you know, shooting the, you know, fighting the little remote thing with the lightsaber and everything, fairly static shots. Whereas, yeah. and, then, and then as soon as you got into the space scenes, they go into the trench, they're flying here. That was so much more dynamic, which made right. the space scenes more exciting. Here in this thing, everything is like that. Even when they just show that girl on the, uh, on that speeder thing or whatever, there's a slow zoom in on her face to get her expression yeah. just before she takes off. Like rather than just showing her, on the thing, flicking some buttons and going, the camera is, is moving. It, it's more like, I'm not going to say modern filmmaking, but yeah. uh, taking the tools that Lucas used only for models and using them for everything, which is, you know, par for the course, I think, with most uh, movies these days, including shaky which, cam. Absolutely. I mean, it's the kind of thing we expect from the, you know, the advancements that have been made in the last, not just, you know, 15 years or so, but the last 30 years since we saw the original trilogy. Um, the things I noted in that first shot uh, that I really... So, A... The, our our character here, who I believe is uh, John Boyega, um, is uh, wearing what appears to be stormtrooper armor. <laughs> and what I really liked when you sort of flip around to the back there is it, it like in a call out to the old stormtrooper armor. It's got the like O one one style thing. Yeah, but it's like the black disc and like then there's the two vertical shots. And I was like, that to me was like, oh, okay, we're so we're str- we're you know, like squarely in homage territory already. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that I like that uh, too because I always wanted to see, uh, you know, t- a stormtrooper with his with his helmet off. And in the in the prequels, we end up with, oh well, they're all clones, they're all the same. It's like, well, that's really disappointing. So I like here, it's like, hey, it's a dude in a stormtrooper outfit. I mean, maybe he's posing as a stormtrooper. Maybe I he could, is a could stormtrooper. Could be pulling a Luke and Han. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing that's done. I, I think it's also worth mentioning that the very first face you see is African American. Instant follow-up. We know John Boyega is actually English, not African-American. Which, yes. uh, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of, been, been a lot of criticism of the casting of this movie as just a bunch of white dudes again. But this is showing that Star Wars is not just for suburban white kids. Yeah, I think that's got to be part of the statement of this trailer. The two right? first faces we see are both an African-American man and a woman. So I think also that's that's important, too. Also a soccer yeah. ball droid. Because all of the all because because uh, we need to further the case of round robots, they don't they don't get enough screen time. You know what this says? This is just a big f you to Interstellar. <laughs> I like the round. I like the soccer ball. Soccer ball droid. But no, so more important than than their attempt to to show diversity here is like I said, these are all new faces. Yeah. This is this. Uh, there's not there's not a Luke Skywalker. There's not a Han Solo. There's not a princess leia they are not in this trail i mean obviously they'll be showing up later probably but that's a statement a statement uh-huh. saying this is a movie and it's a new movie and people you know may be in it but that's not what this movie is about this uh this is where it did confound my expectations if i had to guess what was in it it would be a reveal at the very end of like luke's face yes that i was expecting right? i was totally expecting that to be the last shot is like luke throwing back the hood or something like that a bearded luke skywalker nope <laughs> nope not at all nope <laughs> but like then there's something okay in some senses that works then because like now i have something else to look forward to like <gasps> but there's all this cool mm. stuff but i didn't see anything that like from, uh, okay i didn't see any faces that were old but, but that's exactly what they put in it like if they were going to tease with the teaser you're right you save that big one for the end you save like a winking han solo or you save that for the end and they 
did not. And it's not because so much because they're going to save it for later. Like, oh, my God, you're going to want to see this. It's a statement about what they think this movie is. It's, yeah, I agree. It, so far, as far as we can tell, they are presenting this movie as a movie about the people that you see so far. Because if it, you can do a trailer where you don't show any of the main characters. You just show yeah. ancillary characters, scenery, establishing shots, a few ships. But then you have to save for the very end. And by the way, here's who you're waiting for, Indiana Jones or whatever, you know, whoever your main character is. And this is... I think these characters here are all main characters. They're not I ancillary agree. characters. I think that's what what I've from the I, and I, I will say I've tried to avoid spoilers, like uh, you yeah, know, and too. I know John is also working on avoiding spoilers. Um, yeah, but I like I think you're right, and I think from the little bits that I've heard, I think it is true that like we're going to be focusing on new characters and that the old cast is going to be in more of a supporting role which you know i think makes sense at this point like it's a different it's a different world i mean we it's unclear as of yet how far in the future this is from the last from return of the jedi um you know if we were going strictly on a one-to-one ratio you know it's been 30 years right so (laughs) things are gonna have changed and those characters are all gonna be a lot older and it may be a little bit harder for them to carry a movie but i think as supporting characters you know there's a lot of there's a lot of possibility in that for them Tatooine, still Sandy. Yeah, I was going to say, so Tatooine <laughs> is one of the old characters that we get to see in this trailer. And uh, and I, extrapolating plot elements from trailers is always dangerous, although sometimes you discover that that the entire plot is revealed. I don't think that's the case here, but clearly part of this story is about something happening on Tatooine, so far as I can tell, because we've got the disturbed stormtrooper guy in the desert, uh, perhaps, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that there's a plane, there's a spaceship crash, like there's a plane crash and loss. Could <laughs> that be? was my thought, though. I will, yeah. I will yeah, say I mean, why, why, same way. why else would you be in the desert in, in a stormtrooper yeah, getup? Disheveled. With your, ha- with your helmet with off your, and like, what is going on? Expression on your face. And then we see the woman uh, jumping on her little uh, speeder uh, block thing, <laughs> um, which I kind of like that it's not... You know, it's it's like a like a land speeder on its side, kind of. It's, it's not sleek looking. It doesn't right? look like it's a motorcycle. Like, no, it's it looks blocking. very functional and very industrial. And she's shooting off into the Tatooine distance, right? So something is going on on Tatooine. That's the first message of this, right? And then, the, or the, it's all a, it's all a head fake, and this is just another sandy planet. <laughs> this could be just the well, opening scene, and they go off into space. That's first of all, yeah, we'll see. Sure, and then at the end, the uh, the Millennium Falcon bit also seems to be you know a Tatooine because there's uh, it's like right, but, super sandy. But the X wings are not on Tatooine. No, a lot of water, a lot of water. <laughs> there's there's water and mountains. And that's the trees. into dark. That's the Star Trek into darkness shot. He's like he's like I'm really a fan of flying spaceships over water. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I give it a thumbs up. Sure, go. Yeah, for I it. liked it. Uh, we, I mean, we never we saw a lot think of about these spaceships flying in the atmosphere, but we'll just. Well, you know, we we, yeah, we never really it. saw a lot of it, like you know in in atmosphere flights of like you know starfighters. We saw the the snow speeders on Hoth. But we never really see, you know, a lot of atmospheric. Yeah, I mean, you see the X wings take off from right Yavin, from Yavin, and then you also see. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Millennium Falcon takes off from Tatooine, obviously landed right. there. So we know it's possible. We know what happens. But here, you know, at the end, we have the Millennium Falcon doing its thing with contrails. Yeah. Right. Wait, let's, <laughs> let's not skip around too much because I want to get to that. All right. We, so let's go scene by scene. Otherwise, we're not going. All right. Through. Okay. So disturbed. This is John Boyega, right? The yeah, John Boyega, disturbed uh, guy with stormtrooper without his hat. He's in the hat desert. He doesn't have his hat. It's too hot for that outfit in the desert. Way, well, at least it's white, so it's reflective. But yeah, yeah not good. Yeah, it's made out of made out of plasteel uh, or whatever. So you know, I hope I hope he has a water supply, or he's going to be in trouble. I'm worried. So about him. I was it a soccer ball with a droid head balanced on it, <laughs> 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 or is it all one thing? 
<laughs> that is the New World Cup ball knows when it's been kicked no. into I, the goal. I, I think it's like <laughs> magnetically coupled in the way sure. that you know magically magic, <laughs> you know, yeah. technology type thing, which is which is a bouncy type effect. Like you know, this is a modern movie. Where we can do this in a modern movie. Uh, in a you know, in the seventies, you couldn't really that would have been tough because you'd have to you'd have to stop motion it, and that would be crazy. And then we have like in the background, almost kind of like a junkyard. It looks like pod some racer engines. engines. Yeah, they did look like pod racer engines. I agreed. I thought they did look like that. Uh, so we did, like a brief tip of the hat to the to episode one. <laughs> yeah, well, they do the sound effect wise. Like when the the girl takes off in the speeder, there's the lots of episode yeah. one sound effects. Although even before, let me get this. There we have our our favorite sound effect, the Imperial probe droid, mixed in. I believe in the very very beginning. Ooh, you mean with the dro- with the droid or with the no, like the. Yeah, it's it's right after the stinger when he stands up. Yeah, in the background you get uh, um, you know, what sounds like Imperial probe droid, Imperial code, whatever. Huh? Oh yeah. Well, was that that or wind? It sounds a little windy to me too. <laughs> no, it's, I I know an Imperial probe droid. But I know an Imperial. Probe droid. <laughs> it's like a, almost like a whistling wind. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of lot of drop in. Who knows if this is obviously the mix of the movie at that point is probably different. But yeah, totally. Sure. Okay. So anything more about the soccer ball droid? Other than uh, that, well, it's cool. So, a question whether this is like going to be a recurring character, or oh. this is just one of those passerby. Because this is not a droid moving by in the background. He's got the it's whole a, frame. It's a close shot. This is a close right. shot. Yeah, this is a glamour shot here. He so kind of he kind of beeps a, a little bit. Yeah, or a briefly yeah, he, a character belongs to makes, someone on Tatooine. He makes gets killed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he makes R two style noises. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We don't. I mean, and, and to to couple on to John's point, we don't even not only see any of the human cast. We don't see any of the. No C-3PO, no R2-D2, yep. no Chewbacca. Like, none of the alien or robot cast either who, you know, presumably maybe aged a little better. I don't know. Maybe. I'm going to say for the uh, for the little bouncy soccer ball droid, take a look at his antenna. Good good yeah. antenna wobble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As yeah, that's impressive. That's, yeah, physics Physics happens. Yeah, it's nice. I, 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 I like that he's R2-E. He's got the the, re, the yeah, circle the around the, the, the top and the his his little camera and stuff. Look, it, it very much is a Star Wars droid, this soccer ball droid. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by the good people at lynda.com. You've heard me tell you about lynda.com before. Let me recap this for you. If you want to learn something, if you're an advanced user who wants to learn a particular skill that is tricky and you don't have the hang of it, Lynda.com can help you. If you're a beginner who's just starting out and wants to learn a piece of software uh, or even a particular skill, Lynda.com has videos to help you out. So all skill levels and the people teaching you in these videos are the experts. These are people who are recognized industry experts. Sometimes they're people from the companies that make the software. And when I talk about these videos, this video training, these are high-quality videos in Lynda's state-of-the-art video studio. These are not blurry YouTube videos shot in somebody's basement. They're clear. They're high-quality. They've got the experts. This is a great way to learn new skills or to tune up some of your existing skills. Now, there's one low monthly price for lynda.com. You pay $25 a month and you have access to the entire library. You can take as many courses as you want. There are more than 100,000 different video tutorials. And if you join the premium plan, you can download courses to your iPhone or iPad and watch them offline. Now, for any software you rely on, lynda.com can help you stay current with all of the software updates. Oftentimes, new versions are posted. They work with the software companies, and they have training on the new features and new versions posted, often the same day or the same week that the new version comes out. It's pretty amazing. And it, you name the the subject, you can probably find a lynda.com course about it. I've used it to learn about logic. 
there's stuff up there about iOS and Mac, about Microsoft Office, about the Adobe Creative Suite. If you can think of it, there's probably a lynda.com course to start you off and also to tweak your skills when you're an advanced user. And the best news about this is you can try it out for free. I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with special access to lynda.com free for 10 days. So you can open up your brain and learn as much as humanly possible. I recommend taking a vacation for 10 days and learning everything you can from lynda.com as a part of this. Anyway, you need to visit lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash incomparable to try it free for 10 days. Access to all the courses. You can learn a whole lot in 10 days. And once you try it out, you're going to say to yourself, I want to keep Linda around. I want to keep lynda.com in my life and learn more as I go. So thank you so much to the people at lynda.com for supporting The Incomparable. Do we... So do... Do you guys think I was? I've been listening to the music a little bit. I'm trying to determine if this is just generic trailer placeholder music, or if this is actually John Williams. It sounds a little John Williamsy. Um, just listening to it, it's very staccato. It's not necessarily like that we've heard from you know Star Wars in the past, but there's an element of it. It's clearly you know like very orchestral. It's less electronic. Um, I can't tell, but like I, I'm just curious because a lot of times trailers use placeholder music or they use like canned music or that kind of thing. I feel like. I don't know if they could. Yeah, that seems hard to get away with in something this iconic, like that is so tied to its music. So I'm wondering if this is an actual like early cut of some Star Wars music or not. He might have scored the trailer, but I think it's yeah. clearly just you know tr- teaser trailer music. Like, sure, no, I don't think there's any themes in this. No, there's a there is a, it has a little more depth upon re-listening to it than a lot of, than it might otherwise have. I feel like, but yeah, I don't know. All right, we we have. Uh flickery scenes of stormtroopers in a line like uh and 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 they seem to be exiting their craft they're they're they they have different helmets they're not yeah these are not your these are not your dad's stormtroopers yeah right they're a little more modernized little sleeker a little better air vents little continuation of the eye section into like anyway they look cool it has been it has been fascinating to watch the evolution of you know clone troopers from the early episodes through the clone troopers series through like star wars rebels if you've watched any of the that show at all has like slightly different through the original trilogy stormtroopers now through these stormtroopers it is fascinating to watch it as like a continuum in some ways it's like watching like apple you know rev the iphone it's like ah it's still recognizably a stormtrooper but every year it's like a little bit different and a little bit like there are slightly different flourishes here and there and it was weird because they had to work back they had to they started with one and they worked right. backwards in one direction and forwards in the other. It's kind of weird when they went backwards. They the look. I mean, obviously moving backwards tore basically Boba Fett's helmet, right? So that right. is, but that is a very different kind of. I don't know who you'd call it, like Art Deco or Victorian or something like that to the you know A New Hope, which is very industrial, tube based, and now moving forward, not going back to Art Deco, but trying to be more sleek. Like this is like the electric car version of the yes, uh, the two thousands. It's the you know the two thousands version of the Stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, obviously. It, it's weird because like they have to fit into a timeline in the Star Wars universe, as in there was this time that and so on and so forth. But obviously, but they have to fit in they, uni- our universe what, too. What they actually, what they actually fit into is the the fashion trends of the times of the, the movies were made, which is not the same as the time periods in the. Uh, so it's 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 weird, but yeah, no, I think I think and I think they're not too divergent. Uh, they are much more like Return of the Jedi Stormtrooper helmets. Yeah. Then, and even in Return of the Jedi, I mean, Empire, you got the Snowtrooper helmets, which look new yep. to us. And then you had the forest, whatever they're the called. The biker scouts. 
Right, which also looked more modern compared to those things. But yeah, right. uh, and so this is flickery. This is shaky cam. They are presented as soldiers. They have weapons with menacing-looking red LEDs on them. And if you if you do do a freeze frame on one of those with like little scopes that are very reminiscent of both the original Stormtroopers and Han Solo's pistol. Yep. Got a little scope there. Yep. What they use those scopes for, I don't know, because they never hit anything, but, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, they're the, too busy staring down the scopes and trying right. to hit things. That's the problem. And and the big opening of, like, a tr- troop transport ship shown from leg level, a shot that would never not be in a, a, any of the Lucas Star Wars. It is much more of a modern movie conceit, shaky yeah. cam from the legs down, you know. And there's something, there's something going on out there. There's, like, wind or rain maybe yeah, blowing you don't even around. Know what, what there's, what yeah, there's a flash. Are they, are they entering into a space station? You know, who knows? It looks at, it looks very it looks atmospheric and outdoors, like they're landing on a planet somewhere. I right, hope looks, it, I hope like they, like they don't rain. crash in the desert. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I see I see rain blowing sideways. As yeah, the it door. does look like rain. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it could be or, or 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 smoke or something. So it's funny, John. I had the same thought about the industrial design of the stormtroopers. In that, it reminded me. Um, and I felt this way about when Star Trek did Enterprise and some other examples of this of when you go back in time and you're trapped in your own continuity. Yeah. That the, that the prequels was like, you know, they got everything they do has to solve for the original trilogy. Everything yep. they do has to lead to that point, and it and it's so constricting to do that and i look at this and i'm like hey they get to innovate and it's like they they use the original trilogy as a starting point to go forward and that Rather feels so much point. more freeing yeah. than having yeah. to work toward something because you always said like i always sat around thinking about like that control scene the the control room in the first death star in a new hope right where all the flashing lights and like very much like a 1960s 1970 era computer like a tiny little CRT screen and all these little flickery mm-hmm. blinking lights. And you're like, how are they ever going to explain how you went from like episode one levels of technology with like all this stuff to like, you know, you know what really makes a lot of sense? Random blinking lights like that. That, that, <laughs> yeah, well, that to me really Star works. Star Trek had the same problem. Yes. Where they, right, yeah, that's that, what they could. They envisioned the future as rather than screens everywhere, just more buttons with lights. And so the whole thing is buttons with lights. And, and it, it works if you're gen, moving forward, right? It's right. It works if, if you, you have forward, to, but not if you work backward. Then you're like, right. Well, well so but then when they redid, <laughs> when they redid the reboot, right? You have to make yeah. the bridge of that enterprise has to sort of split the difference. It's like, look, we need to have a lot of buttons with lights on them, right? But then they they kind of went. That's interesting because what they did there was. They went with kind of a a '60s retro vibe with lots of polished chrome and, and the handles and everything right. like that, which was a nod to the to, to the period that the original one was made, and making a statement that this is actually the fashion trend of the time that the Enterprise is for, is being built well, and, uh, and Captain Kirk is alive. This is what's in fashion. Just suffice it to say, this is what's in fashion. And, and but Star, Star Trek. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, Star Trek has the added problem of also being built out of our own universe, right? So we know where things are right now in our lives, and yet right. Star Trek is supposed to be the future. And yet, like, when they, I, rem- I always think of some episodes of DS9 where they time travel back to, like, you know, the 2000s or something, and everyone's using CRT monitors. And it's yeah, like, yeah. but we already know that's patently false from yeah. where we are in this. So you're you're bounded on every side in Star Trek, which makes it a lot harder. At least and with the, uh, the the J.J. Abrams reboot, by doing it in the alternate reality and saying, oh, well, 20 years ago, the course of history changed. That's yeah. that's like part of the wing. The iPhone like, we came can, out. <laughs> we can revisit this now and uh, show you the you know the, the the Captain Kirk's Enterprise now looks more modern because uh, it's totally different. It's it's not like it was before. They invented touchscreens. It, it, it looks <laughs> yeah. like Mad Men modern. It looks like a time, yeah, yeah. A time right. of our past envisioned with with sort of modern acuity. Right. Like in terms of it's, it's high definition, 
everything is in color instead of black and white, but still things look kind of weird and 60-ish and, and uh, fashion that is out of step with today. So what the I... advantage of the Star Wars ones have here is that not only do we have to go forward and not be bound by anything because we're just projecting forward, but a calamitous change of fortunes happened at yes. the end of the last movie. So mm-hmm. everything is up for grabs. So mm-hmm. You're not even bound to any kind of plot-wise continuity because it's a complete upheaval. The Empire was sort of running the show, and now the Empire is is crushed, and the Jedi or are is gone, it? and now they're kind of back, but there's one of them. And so you have complete freedom to go in any direction because there's a power vacuum. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that's the sort of central question that comes to me, uh, you know, out of watching this trailer is <laughs> we thought we saw what happened after Return of the Jedi, right? Like, we thought, yep, okay, no, there was, there was a party, there were fireworks. <laughs> they won. Right. Everything was great. Yay. And, like, you know, especially if you want to acknowledge the special edition, you know, where everybody's celebrating on all the yeah. different planets. Yeah, everyone on Coruscant is just cheering or whatever. All yeah, it's like, oh, great. Yub-nub. The Ewoks are happy. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, at the same time, now we have a question of, well, there was a huge infrastructure in place. There were presumably other people who were in charge of various elements of the Empire. There were there are remnants. There are fragments. They're left over. Are they just going to be like, all right, I guess we lost. Well, so you can go Battlestar here and say this is going to be an Iraq war analogy where uh, there there were factions that were be kept, being kept in check by the by the Empire, by the dictator. Right. So you had like the huts and all the organized crime and the smugglers and all that stuff who are essentially being tamped down by gigantic Star Destroyers and Darth Vader with the Force and the Emperor and all that other stuff. And now that they're gone, sort of sectarian violence is Mm. free to break out because the, you know, the rebellion is not equipped at this point to govern with the same authority that the Empire did. And there, we know there are plenty of uh, factions within the Star Wars universe that are, are power hungry and will see this as their opportunity. Right. So is there is there a reestablishment of the Empire here? Did the Empire never really go away? And we didn't, like, that victory was not as absolute well, as we first thought see, it was. You see the stormtroopers, and that my, my very first thought was, why are there stormtroopers? Right, why exactly. are there stormtroopers? Well, there were so many stormtroopers, though, they didn't all blow up in the Death Star. No. These guys, right. all, they, they've got the outfits, they're around. right? They've, they got, got, the, they've got, got, the got the guns. They're like, they're, they're, they're going to go to work in the morning, and, and you know, well, they, they can look they at the farm... TV and go, wait a second, I guess I don't have to well, go and, in. And, and maybe, maybe as a, uh, you know, we're totally spitballing here, but maybe when you're taking over, when you've overthrown thrown the emperor if yeah you, you if use you, the infrastructure yeah right maybe you say okay well we're now going back to being the old republic and hey you stormtroopers you were all always part of the the you know the even back to the republic you were Before part we of the army the senate, yeah. yeah we're re, we're we're reinstating the senate and you guys are going to be in the army and uh, fight on stormtroopers but don't shoot us because you'll miss right well and so then <laughs> it becomes you open up the parable for well you know if you just step into the shoes of the dictator yeah. are you any better than they are and yeah. do you sort of like this power continue to corrupt essentially and it's like well okay now we're in charge and we're going to enforce a, enforce our new order on everything wait well, a second damn also it the, the the supposed uh message of the the prequels was that the, you know the jedi had become arrogant and disengaged and or whatever so that's problem is solved because all the jedi are dead except for luke at that point right so well, and, there's not going and, to be any sort of big cabal of jedi who are so aloof and disengaged and feel like they don't have anything to worry because there are it's just luke and he presumably is more wise than that uh and the Senate was dissolved, but even when the Senate was in session in the prequels, didn't look like the world's best governing body. It was, you know, very easily influenced. They, they had Gungans in there. It was just, it was not, <laughs> it's not great. So if you were to propose uh, the new system of government, who, you know, you, you had like, it almost looked like, I mean, you had almost looked like a, a mix between royalty 
and sort of pseudo democracy. See, we don't even have a good model for what we want to go back to because all the things that we that happened in the past, we don't want to go back to them because they weren't they weren't very they good. They didn't work. Right. Yeah. The uh the next shot in the trailer is our uh our friend hopping on her uh block speeder thing, looking over her shoulder and uh and then taking Darth, off. Darth Maul's yeah. lightsaber handle is right to her left. Either through proper oh. use or oh, yeah. we, yeah. we do believe that, I did not that catch is, that. It, it could be proper use because they do a lot of that. Well like, it extends you know, on into like a pole. Yeah. That's the lightsaber. Sticks, Maybe it's powered in. Powered by lightsaber, you you turn Would it you on on the inside of the pole and it like heats it up and. Well, that's know. weird because it's not in the next shot, the wide shot. If you look at the next wide shot where you actually yep. see her flying off, it's not there. She could be on an entirely different ship at that point. Yeah, let's this is true. Well, her, it her, looks similar. Her, uh, her things are down. Her little goggles are down at that point, and yeah, who knows, right? Uh, I mean, this uh, is yeah, I think I think it's days. the same ship, but it could be a continuity error, or it could be two entirely different scenes. Uh, yep. What are those sticks called? The Oh, the the, the the sand people have the gaffy sticks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's not I that th- is not one, but it is covered with Tatooine style messy tape on the, yeah. on the end. You know, and if, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the actress Daisy Ridley, who was yeah, basically right. an unknown before coming into this. My guess is that that uh, that uh, block speeder that she's on, it's a temp shot, and they haven't added all the all the stuff to it yet, which yeah. is why. Yeah. <laughs> I, although it looks pretty de- it's got a nice again like we're going back to that like it's nice it's lived in it's beaten down as we talked it's industrial yeah you know it looks like she's driving a furnace basically <laughs> <laughs> she's also looking behind her yes. trying to make an escape both both of these yeah, actors she looks seen so far have serious expressions on their face they are concerned they oh. are serious they are you know they're in crisis they are not smiling into the camera and right. saying look at me i'm in a movie yeah. If I had to, if I had to, you know, sum up all of this in one word, it would be tension. Like especially with the combination of the music and everything, there is a clear like tension being like ratcheted up here as we go along. Something is coming. As we haven't even talked about the voiceover yet, but <laughs> something, something has awakened. Could be the force. Could be the force. She's going off toward a uh, some sort of encampment, settlement, something. I mean, I, I, it's ta- if it, this is Tatooine, that's practically a city. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's got uh, thudding uh, prequel noises, pod racer kind of style. Yeah. Because with with the prequels, Ben Burt brought in a lot more of kind of deep thrumming, rhythmic deep thrumming for engine noises in the, yeah. in the pod race and everything. And you get a little bit of that for her refrigerator that she's right. driving. <laughs> right, she's driving. It's, the refrigerator picking up a lot of dust there. Inside that refrigerator, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Um, and okay. then, oh, and then we have the guy who I swear to God looks like, uh, Zev from Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. He's, his face is beat up inside his helmet. His helmet is beat up outside his face. <laughs> so, it kind of looks like it. So it's like a, it's a new, again, we've got the new styling of like, it's clearly a rebel alliance. Yep, rebel alliance symbols all over him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, we're going to stamp one on his helmet, one on his yeah. little vest. Again, they've but, got the equipment. But so. that's that, that helmet is not. It is again evocative yeah. of the stuff that we saw in the original yeah. trilogy, but it's not the same. And even the orange of the flight suit is like uh, different, muted. It's a little bit more. Du- it looks like it's been, you know, again, it hasn't been washed in a while. But he's got the little buttons on his chest too. Mm-hmm. They're like the you know the same little like life support thing. It looks like the stick for the uh, X wing there is pretty similar to the original. Like the inside of the cockpit looks very, very. He's even got the targeting computer off to the left. Yeah. 
Yeah, like everything is there. Looks like okay. This is an X wing. We dusted off the mothballs. Yeah, he is also very serious looking. He is. He's not. He's not on a, on a pleasure flight. Is there a, a, people engaged in some kind of military exercise? Not. I cannot tell if that is. Uh, I cannot tell if that's Oscar Isaac, but that would be my. That was. He looks kind of like Oscar Isaac, but it's hard to tell with a helmet on. Yeah, I definitely like how scratched up his helmet is. That's the lived-in Star Wars world that we oh, remember. Yeah. So these are yeah. the new, whatever they're called. I don't know what the name is. I think they said they were X-Wing. I'm tr- again, trying to avoid spoilers. And by the way, if Star Wars fans are listening to this and saying, why don't these people know all the answers to these questions? This has been established in blog. It's because we're avoiding spoilers. Yes. I'm sure we, we, these things all could have been answered by J.J. Abrams himself. We just don't know because we're avoiding spoilers. But well, anyway. I mean, they it looked. I mean, they look pretty I there's a the, the, the episode difference. four ones that we saw i don't know if you saw that one yeah. but like the, with the yeah. big circle engine that's split in half and with the two this the scissor wings where the front edge of the wing goes down and the, and the back edge of the wing goes up right right although it's interesting because that one in the close shot looks like almost like it's more that yeah they the wings curve a little more almost at the end i don't know it's hard yeah to tell. it's hard, hard to tell from the slight slight refinements they're blue which is different from mm-hmm. the the ones that we saw in the original trilogy, which mostly had like sort of red trim, yeah, but they look very, very. Sim- they look more similar than different to the X. Yeah. It's an X wing. Right? Again, we yeah. we will it's try. Like, it's very a revise. Not, not to think about the wisdom of uh, taking a circular tunnel that presumably holds something turbine-like and splitting it in half. How exactly that works? <laughs> Again, we'll invoke Interstellar to say that the fan blades warp out of existence, and then back. I don't. Anyway, there's rocket engines on the back moving the thing along. Yeah, and they're skimming over water, some nice, like, water, like, you know, wakes being thrown up behind them, some lovely mountain scenery, a yeah. uh, a world that looks infinitely more realistic than, like, half the worlds we've seen in Star Wars so far. Yeah, the, the tree background there, I suspect, is based on the hills, not basically right where I live, because the people who do these effects live around here, and that that mountain looks awfully familiar to me, but that's yeah. good. I like it. I could look out my window and see an X-wing. Again, along. some some great sound effects, you know, like as they like zip along the water there. Like just good. I love the, the sound of Star Wars, you know, which we could right. probably do an individual episode on is just so it's so iconic and so evocative. Like everything has a very particular sound. And when those things line up well, and there's a lot of stuff in this trailer where it's like, yes, that thing is it's the same thing. We, we can tell because it sounds the same. And the, the little, uh, what do you call them? The little things that poke out from the wings on the X-Wing. I don't know what you want to call those things. Um, are thinner. And part of the reason they're thinner is because it's only so thin you can make them on a plastic model in 1977. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. they become too delicate and the models keep accidentally breaking or bending. And it's like, you know what, just make them a little bit. Like Practicalities of model building dictated a lot of what the original Star Wars ships look like. We don't have those limitations anymore in CG because it's... You know, again, avoiding spoilers, but I have seen enough to know that JJ bit full size one of these, and full size is not that thin because you know full size right. it's still plenty More thick robust. and strong. And small size, no models needed. These are all on a computer, so you have that problem solved. And what it means is they look, they look different. It obviously looks like an X wing, but it's different enough that you can say this is a new version, and it's a new version that does not look like a. It does not look like a reverse to the prequels. It looks like even more industrial and cobbled together and weird and dirty. And yeah, looks good. I give them a thumbs up. Agreed. All right. Next. What's next? Chris Pine walking we... through the woods. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's a special cameo from Chris Pine. So we get some snow. 
It's a it's a snow. It's dark. We're in the dark part now, right? This is the dark, dark, uh, snowy forest and a mysterious hooded figure. Yeah, I mean, like that snowy woods looks very generic to me. How many different movies have we seen this generic dark snowy woods in? A lot, uh, and it doesn't look particularly Star Warsy to me. It doesn't right. look you... Star Warsy either. I agree. It's close too. Like we're, again, we're focused on the close shot. A lot of the Star Wars shots, I feel like we've got like you know the third three quarter shot. We've got the dynamic camera again, right? We're following this guy, yep. and so everything feels a little more claustrophobic. Um, and a little tighter, and we don't see the sky at all. The camera's pitch kind of down too, which I feel like mm-hmm. is a sli- again slightly unusual for a Star Wars movie, where everything is very much on a similar like sort of flat plane. Also, uh, some real time uh, real time follow up from listeners. Listener Eric Christensen wrote in on Twitter to say the T shaped lightsaber was predicted by the incomparable in the Phantom Menace episode, and they were right to joke. <laughs> it looks silly. Well, so here's it, talking about the lightsaber, right? So w- once the guy pulls out the lightsaber, you see his big, thick leather belt. It looks a little bit more Star Warsy, and then he sort of hunches over. But the key point about this lightsaber is not so much the silly tea things, which seem like a very bad idea, <laughs> very, very bad idea in terms of not cutting off your thighs and other parts of your body. Um, but the the blade itself has gone with a more ragged-edged flame okay. Yeah, effect. I noticed Again, that too. another limitation of the original effects, of whether it's a spinning stick with beads on it or the simplified computer one. With CG now, we could do sort of pseudo-lightning around yeah, it. Yeah, there's crackling lightning. Ragged edges. It looks, it looks more sinister instead of merely being a red version of what it's, the good guys have. It's the equivalent of one of those like wavy like like knives. You know when they see like the ceremonial daggers that have like a wavy blade? Yep. It's got like kind yep. of that going on. Or serrated edges, yeah. And, and the things on the side. And in general, I think I'm basically not in favor of surprise lightsaber configuration reveals. <laughs> Like, yeah. is, is it as exciting like as Darth Maul style to have the thing come out the other end? I feel like that ship has sailed and you don't need to do it again. So the other thing I noticed here that I thought was interesting was that the blade, in addition to sort of that, like, more ragged, more flamey edge, it also looks a lot longer to me. Like, if you just sort of look at, like, yeah, the scene it's a, where it's, it's a long sword. It's like well, it's a, it's a claymore. It's basically yeah, a claymore, yeah. which is, again, why I think the cross guard is in there is because mm. it makes it look very much like a sort of like a Braveheart-style gigantic sword. I agree. I don't understand. Like, on the one hand, I understand that, you know, hey, a cross guard would be super handy on a lightsaber, prevent someone from cutting your hand off. But at the same time, since the cross guard doesn't extend, like, right, it's exactly. metal it's still kind of, closest, how- the part where you would actually catch another lightsaber blade, you would just get the cross guard cut through. Which is going to happen exactly as Darth Maul's <laughs> two-headed lightsaber was inevitably cut in half inevitably some of those nubs are going away in this movie i i had two thoughts when i saw this one is that this they may be um this because they they activate later it, yeah. it's that this is like uh, for dramatic effect he, he needs to cut he needs to cut down a tree so that's like tree chopping <laughs> mode where it protects you from the, the the bits of the wood flying off they just get vaporized and the other thought was that it's the exhaust port that this is a badly constructed lightsaber and it, it, it blows I, I like some the, light out the sides I do like the idea that it's badly constructed because that does fit with sort of the raggedy edges of it is like this is someone who's like, you know, didn't know what they were doing and cobbled together a lightsaber. And we're just yeah. like, uh, it's not, not an elegant weapon. No, not for a more civilized age. No, it's no. Just, and, and the weird thing about it is it's for, for something that's supposed to evoke a claymore. It has a very thin handle because it's the yep. other direction they could have gone is like Final Fantasy where he's he's wielding a butter knife the size of his body. <laughs> Yeah, it could have been like a longer, flatter blade or something. But yeah, it does look, it looks, it looks odd. I'm reserving judgment. 
Yep. So, but, I mean, we only see him from the back. Uh, the, the voiceover, which again, we haven't talked too much about, uh, has bad Darth Maul vibes yep. to it. Because do we need to have a gravelly voiced evil guy talking in voiceover? This looks like an evil guy. He's wearing hood. He's walk- That's why I said Chris Pine, because he looks like he walks like Chris Pine. I don't <laughs> know. Like, it's just my guess is Adam Driver. But again, yeah, because he looks kind of tall and lanky. Yep, probably. So and yeah. And so this, I think this is this is the point where we get the second part of the voiceover too, where he says, "And the light," because we've been in the dark, like a dark force is rising, right? The the the, the force, the dark side. Coming. Now I was really expecting, I don't know about you guys, but he says like, the, you know, the dark side, and then I was expecting the other part, of, like the end of it, to be has returned, and yet. Then we get the dark side and the light. And the light. Well, see, it, and it never left. So the whole idea, I don't know force. anything about the, the plot of this movie, but The Force Awakens is, you know, whenever I tell any non-Star Wars fan about this movie who knows anything, they're just like, well, wasn't didn't The Force already awake? Like, wasn't it already so awake? Didn't, I'm going to... I'm going to... I returned. It was called Return of the Jedi. He, There we go. Jedi are back now, right? Yeah. But you think it was like kind of a Highlander thing where at the end of Return of the Jedi... Now that he is, you know, Darth Vader sacrificed himself and brought balance to the Force, if you want to go with the prequel interpretation, like, do you think, like, nobody has any... (laughs) Yeah, I know you don't. Do you think, like, all the Force powers went away? Well, so the the Force Awakened is in, like... uh here's here's a, a possible headcanon interpretation like so you had you had the the uh, obnoxious aloof jedi or whatever and they were a mess and they went away and then there was none and then luke came back there was the dark side it was dominating the galaxy and luke fought back against it now he's the only one now kind of like the force is out there as a it is unconstrained it is free to flow through various people without the constraints of sort of government or like <laughs> boy scouts of america controlling like who you know like there's no there's no organizational structure so if you just happen to be a guy on a planet who happens to be force strong because of, you know, who your parents were and you cobble together this crazy ass lightsaber, like the force awakens as in where does the force go? Presumably it is present in certain people. And if there's no organizing principle to organize them, whether it's the master slave Sith thing or the, the light side council thing, then there could be a whole bunch of people in the universe with the force. Uh, and what what happens to them? Like, do they just become uh, so uh, organized we're taking leaders? Like- like like season seven Buffy now where like all the potential slayers <laughs> are all out there on their own. So here yeah. here's here's my theory about this, which which again I have no spoiler information either. Um, it's just purely a theory. Is that the force has a kind of a a, na- a set of natural concentrations, and so with the with the death of Darth Vader and all the Jedi being gone and the em- Emperor being gone, that that uh, what happens is the force is sort of like in it's dormant. It's like it doesn't have it's big concentrations. It's just sort of spread thin. And then what's happening here is now it's starting to spring back. It's starting to be, you know, manifest more in people. And, and it's like, it's a very mythic. It's a very, um, like, like magic in game of Thrones or something, right. Where it's like, well, there was a lot of it and then it kind of faded and now it's coming back, which is a great way to kick off a new series, right. Is to say, well, the force hasn't been around that much, but now it's back. And, and well, so that's my around. feeling. When the light side was around, if you were force sensitive, the Jedi would find you, right? Because they would, you know, they would find all the, the kids who are force sensitive. Like, you know, Qui-Gon does the beginning movies like, oh, I found one of these force sensitive kids. Better deal with this. Like, you, you need to go into the system. You need to go and get the stupid helmets on and Yoda teaches you stuff. And like, you know, yeah. you have to get into the system. Sure. And the other alternative is you slip through the cracks and some random Sith finds you. Right. But there's not a lot of them. There's not a lot of population. So basically, if you were force sensitive... The Jedi Order and everything was collecting you up, and now there is no one collecting anyone up. And the, right. the other alternative is during during the you know the Empire times, 
if you're force sensitive, Darth Vader comes and kills you, presumably. Well, right? well, like, well, but think about what if what, what if all the force was essentially hoarded by the emperor and Darth Vader? That's and, not how the force works, Jason. Well, <laughs> well, so here's my well, question: surrounds us and binds us. Well, it's I mean, not, again, not to go too much into the the you know like the the what the prequels brought us, but yeah. my my fundamental problem with that prophecy was that as soon as the end of the Return of the Jedi happens, the Force is no longer in balance because we all. only have light side. Yeah, like, I don't, that's I don't it. understand why they, this is like it's not like you know a, a news program where we need to have the, what the pro and the con. Yeah. Kill, <laughs> killing children, pro and con. We need to have a balance. Why, like, it's why are our Jedi a, schools <laughs> failing? That's what I want to know. <laughs> why why so, do we need? Why do we need to have it in balance? Why do we need some amount of child killing? And mixed in because then yeah. it won't be imbalanced. Like, right. I, well, I, I see. That's the thing is, I, I don't think you need balance. I think that there's an interesting take in there being balanced because, court, like, you know, order and chaos sort of are always mm-hmm. at war with one another. And so I'm wondering if maybe Luke decided, like, instead of, you know, if we take a very different view from, like, the post-canon that was done in all the books and everything, where it's like, all right, we're going to train a brand new Jedi Order and everything's going to be great again. Um, and yeah. instead be like, Luke's like, all right, great. We, uh, you know, solved all this problem. But you know what? The Force really kind of leads to a whole bunch of problems. So I'm just going to go and go, like, the Obi-Wan Kenobi route, go back to Tatooine, hole up in a house somewhere, and just chill out for a while and let everything take its, you know, natural it, course of and, events. And that would be a bad plan. Because what he's thinking is, like, I'm the only one who I'm the only Jedi left. Right. If I don't train anyone else, there won't be any other Jedi. But the flaw yeah. in that plan is like, he wasn't a Jedi when he was born, you know, and I was working as a farmer, a right. helper. Right. Like, so there something are going else. To be people, there are going to be people born who are force sensitive. And if no one is there to guide them, you're going to have trouble. Right. And I think I want, and again, like, that's nice because there's an echoing callback then of like, Obi-Wan Kenobi being too, you know, like having the hubris issue of like thinking he can train people himself and, and Luke's compensating in the other direction being like, ah, I know I can't train people. I'm not that good. So I'm just going to not do anything, <laughs> which turns out to be a really bad decision as well. Or he could have thought that he had solved the problem. I mean, it's just, it, right. it doesn't right. make any sense since he was literally one of those people who was just born somewhere, didn't know anything about Jedi or the force, but was force sensitive. And, you know, could have fallen in with the wrong crowd and just, you know, so he should have known. There's other people like me out there. Why am I? I, Anyway, we'll see what he actually does. But he was also the son of Darth Vader. So maybe there was like, you know, you almost get like sort of a bloodline thing going on there. All the other Jedis are dead and they weren't supposed to have attachments or children. So you never know. Yeah, but you know about those Jedi. It's got someone on the side and someone on the side. The the women on the Jedi Council hiding their pregnancies through the Force. A Jedi Jedi in every port. My belly is not getting larger. That's right. Uh... Yeah, so we saw, okay, and then we get that, so after we saw Mr. T lightsaber, uh, Mr. T? Mr. T is a lightsaber. <laughs> I've been a fool who doesn't have a lightsaber. <laughs> we get, I ain't getting on I, that Millennium Falcon, Murdoch. <laughs> I, think, I think we got to agree we get what is probably the money shot for the, yeah. for the trailer, you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the Which lights. I have to say was the moment that got me, like, you know, that gave me the goosebumps because, like, I, and as I wrote on the piece, the, the quick piece I wrote on Six Colors for Jason there, I feel like this is a scene that J.J. Abrams, like, plucked from our conscious collective imagination of just, like, we always knew the Millennium Falcon was awesome. And, you know, you get, you get parts of that in, in the original trilogy. You get to see it in the asteroid field and all that. But, like, that even of all the problems with the special editions, my favorite scene remains that scene where you see the Millennium Falcon take off from Moss Eisley in the first movie. Because uh, you had a scene of something that was brand new and acted in that way that you knew that ship could act. We just didn't have the technology to, to display it at the time. And so, you know, having the ability to do dynamic cameras and to do some CGI and to do, you know, all the stuff that they're doing here, it makes it like 
it, it makes it feel real and it makes it like something that all our imaginations when you're a kid and you've got your little Millennium Falcon toy and you're flying it around like you're like oh yeah I can do all these things I can fly upside down and like skim down near the surface of things and I don't know it's just like for me it captured perfectly this idea of like what I wanted to see for 30 years <laughs> so earlier we were discussing how in the original trilogy the the shots of people and live action things were fairly static and then motion control camera made the uh, the ship and space battle shots so much more exciting so here if they're going to use sort of modern camera movement techniques to show the people, won't that then make the uh, the spaceship shots less exciting? And the answer is no, because we can do way more <laughs> than we could with motion control cameras before. So they, they, they're still keeping the same balance of like the people shots are conventional in a modern sense. But the spaceship shots, we could do anything. And so, you know, they're showing us, you know, this is this this one shot that they show here is something that would have given ILM of the 70s. Like it would have just like made them all just groan and have nightmares for like months at a time. You know, with CG, it's like we can do anything we want. Lens flare, sky, sand, fully bright lit. The camera's flipping around while the ship is flipping around some, you know, realistic looking sand kicking up under it. We can do everything. And so they're still keeping that balance because if they kept the shots looking like shots from empire that it would be it would be a letdown and this this is not that well this is a, also i like that this is the millennium falcon doing that move you know that move where they go the, up and then the loop, loop around and come back down yeah yep. immelman beautiful um new radar dish because the old one yeah i noticed off. that too Lando yep. broke off yep. the old one. I, I thought the exact same thing <laughs> it's it's like it's rectangular instead of circular like much lower profiles so the next time you need to go into a death star it won't get knocked off yeah we'll see about that it still pokes up it's still the highest thing it's still up. the highest thing on the yeah. show well you gotta have radar just Come don't on, yeah, Lando guys. drive anymore I think it's a lesson. <laughs> well, or wear so your not, clothes frankly all right not not only do we have the falcon which looks you know basically just as beat up it's not like han solo came into a lot of money it's like i'm gonna fix this thing up real nice no it looks pretty well, much we as beat up as always driving it. anybody could be driving this come on han solo's driving and look at the way that thing flies <laughs> it could be uh, napping in the back you know, <laughs> chewbacca take us yeah, around I, it chewbacca. did occur to me that there was like you know han solo's teenage kid is taking this <laughs> like it's that scene from the first star trek reboot where you know kirk exactly. steals his dad's car <laughs> someone someone Although, steal like, the falcon take it for a joyride so when it loops around it loops first you see it it's flying through the air you're like okay atmosphere not space loops 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 loop and the big surprise is guess where it is it's on tatooine because then you get the sand coming to the shot and the sand kicking right. up and it's like what are you doing flying that thing around that's the first surprise and the second surprise which is less of a surprise in the age of star wars rebels is that there are tie fighters, tie fighters yeah. tatooine. And, and if you're watching star wars rebels this is not new you are accustomed to seeing tie fighters fly around on top of sand right but that is atmosphere. a new a new idea in the star wars world that these what we consider space fighters right and which were right. mostly in space due to technical reasons because it's a lot easier to shoot ships against you know black background black backgrounds background, yeah. of light than it is to try to put them in full daylight on a, on a planet with sun and everything now this is something we are you know we haven't seen before and why wouldn't they be dogfighting over the sand if they're you know if if the empire is in or whoever is flying these tie fighters is right. in pursuit of whoever's flying the millennium falcon in the original trilogy, you just had to have them suffice it to say they take off from the desert planet and they go into space, at which point there will be some kind of chase. And it's like, no, we can have this take place here now. Well, and not only that, but like think about the again, adding tension things like now you have to think about gravity <laughs> because there's a planet below well, you. Well, <laughs> barely. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to think too much about it. No, I don't want to say like a technical sense, but like it is like a when that scene comes around and he's that cl- like the ship is that close to the yeah, ground, gotta, there's, there's a moment hit. of, ah, don't crash, you know, like there's <laughs> nothing you hit in space. <laughs> well, you got the asteroids. Asteroids. Yeah, like, 
Yeah, it, it, it changes the rules for, for how things go here. And yeah, again, we try not to think about the aerodynamics of any of these ships. <laughs> it's not yeah. just a sleek Millennium Falcon. I think someone did a thing about the TIE Fighters and how like they would just shear apart <laughs> in the atmosphere. <laughs> the well, hexagonal the power there, you know, The solar panels are getting all this sun. The, yeah, although they look kind of white in this shot, too, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, well, they, I'm sure they are, like, you know, modified. They're eye tie fighters. <laughs> they're all black and white now. They look white No, they look aluminum. like they got uh, see-through panels. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They're like little transparent. Side panels. I, what I like about this is the same thing I said earlier about the stormtroopers, which is, again, I thought, yub-nub, why are there TIE fighters? Yeah. Which, yep. again, it, it's good because it is sending the message like, look, this is still what you know. This is not going to be a story a, about yeah. the politics involving putting back yeah, this together the Republic. Spaceships shooting each other and guys fighting with T-shaped lightsabers. Get on board! That's right. <laughs> <laughs> long discussions about what the optimal form of government for yeah. the galaxy should we have a bicamera <laughs> legislature <laughs> that is that is coming in the next trailer and why does Tatooine have two senators like 10 people on that planet <laughs> well it's, the, the, due to the uh the 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 way that the republic was set up the smaller planets wanted as much representation as the larger planets so everybody gets two senators and then a number of representatives proportioned into their yeah. population duh Sure. So that'll all be in the spin-off series, uh, Star Wars uh, oh, Constitution. It'll be uh, 1776, <laughs> Star Wars. It'll be, slavery will be a big issue. Is Tatooine's going to be, uh, well, you, you got to let us keep the slaves because uh, otherwise we won't join the Union. <laughs> oh, my. That's it. The, that's the whole thing. There's a, then there's the title, which doesn't... I think it's f- interesting that this is being sold as Star Wars The Force Awakens. Episode, episode. 7 does not appear at yeah. any point. Yeah, this the, is the, the new ep- Star Wars episode has been poisoned as a, uh, as a format for Star Wars title <laughs> names. <laughs> well, I think I we'll think still right. see it in, the, in an opening crawl, sure. obviously. But yeah, but I But it's agree. not I think... marketed as Episode 7. It's marketed as The Force Awakens, period. Right. Yep. Yeah, there's when, no I period, was, when I was searching for a download of this, uh, there's no this period. Thing, <laughs> this I true. found there, there was a fan made thing called Star Wars: The Force Awakens from like 2006, I believe. Huh. So those <laughs> those poor guys was. are like every yeah, permutation I, has been used. Come on, <laughs> I know, but it's just interesting that you know out there are some a bunch of fans who spent you know months, possibly years of their lives making a fan made thing called The Force Awakens, and now they're just going to be bombarded with a real th- thing called that. Yeah, I think they're probably just really excited though. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. if you spent that much time. Making a Star Wars fan film like ten years ago, you're probably super psyched that they use the same name as you. Yeah, and their Google juices is, is uh, about to expire as we speak. So, yes. if they were ever hope to be anywhere in the search results for that query, that time is now over. It's gone. But the last thing I want is right after the December 2015 thing fades out, we do get a little lightsaber noise in the background. Yep. Yeah, it's the sound yep. of the lightsaber turning off. Is that right? I think it's turning turning, turning on, on. Turn, I think or turning, turning on. on. Okay. Turning on. Yeah. Yep. Turning on. Sorry, I replayed it. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, uh, and that, again, in typical modern trailer parlance, if they were going to do another little, you know, shot, it stinger, would be, like, December stinger 2015, end, yeah. and then at the end, there would be, you know, che- Chewbacca comes on screen for a second and roars, or mm-hmm. a little R2-D2 head spins around, you know, nothing. nothing you nope. don't get any of that. Nope. They're, I mean, they are very, I think J.J. Abrams is very widely, wisely hoarding all of those things to dole them out <laughs> later on mm-hmm. and... And know that you will get excited when you can, you know, see the the real trailer, you know, which will come out in six months or well, whatever. That's what I was going to go to next, which is what 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 comes next. And it's clear that they've decided to do. I mean, look, these guys know what they're doing. 
this is the modern this is how you roll out a movie right this is how yep. they roll out the marvel movies at, at disney and marvel this is how pixar rolls out movies. this is how you roll out a movie is yeah, you, you do, get a teaser a year ahead of time yeah you maybe you release a still at some point there's a there's a there's another teaser trailer there's teaser trailer two there's there's a trailer and you know they've got and they probably already know roughly when they're doing all of those things and they're well, gonna and they're I gonna f- parcel this out to us if they're smart again i feel like they also will learn from the mistake of episode one and not oversaturate in terms of like having multiple different versions like multiple trailers right starts to reveal too much of the movie it's and especially with something like star wars where everybody already like as soon as you put this out there everybody knows it's there right like you don't need to advertise this movie that much you can be kind of deliberate and and much more conservative about it than you might have to do for a property that is not otherwise established and so i i think um there's a lot there could be really clever to do some you know not do too much for this but keep a lot of mystery about it and sort of retain a lot of the sort of juicy parts of it for later on episode one's trailers weren't bad because they had the original teaser with the guys coming out of the swamp and then they had a couple trailers but what overdid it was the tv ads remember the tone poem tv ads which was like they weren't adding anything and it was just confusing things and i think the approach that they're using for this movie is much more sort of uh, modern in you know Star Wars Rebels is essentially an extended trailer for this movie, and that and it is it is showing things from that universe that look similar to the movie. It is keeping Star Wars in the public consciousness, uh, and it's making sure that kids will know that Star Wars is still a thing. It is still an ongoing thing that you know kids are watching Star Wars Rebels, and I'm sure it will lead them directly into uh, this movie when it's out. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw. <laughs> I just I just pasted into the uh, into our little I am the the a meme awakens, which is the lightsabers with like eight things coming off of them or twenty things coming off of them. Yeah, like the last just, one. It looks know, like it looks so like an antenna. The unfortunate person who's going to grab a lightsaber handle activated and seventeen <laughs> blades come through their hand. <laughs> A porcupine blade, they call it. Well, I was picturing Jason's thing where it's like, oh, yeah, it's just blowing off extra stuff. It's like, what if it comes out the back of the handle? Yeah. That's terrible. That's so a terrible that's design. Darth Maul's does that. Boys, boys, what what do I have to do to get you in this lightsaber today? I could I could I could add ten more beams on it if that'll, if that'll sell the I deal. I know the ones you. that come out of the handle look uncomfortable. You just got to hold it just right. That's right. If you know what you're like doing, a, uh, a it shouldn't tongs. be a problem. I mean, we've continually seen again. You know, John referenced Star Wars Rebels a couple of times. The the Darth Maulish lightsaber in that one, used by the Inquisitor, which not only has two blades but also spins around, yep. which has yep. kind of a General Grievous thing going on. <laughs> yeah, there and too. then General Grievous was like, you just take a bunch of. At least that one had like a, an interesting plot thing where he, you know, he keeps the ones from his vanquished foes because why would you throw them out? They're perfectly good. And then he puts them all in his hands and he spins. <laughs> Same them reason around. for the Tie Fighters and the Stormtrooper armor here. Perfectly good Stormtrooper armor. Don't throw it out. Yeah, I think it would be better. Like if I had to, if I had to do lightsaber art direction for the set of movies what i would do is john syracuse's dream job yeah lightsaber art director is uh, ignoring ignoring the shapes of the handles what i would do is if we have two sides here i would decide what the light side lightsabers look like and what the dark side lightsabers look like and they would essentially be kind of like in you know in in lord of the rings movies where you have what what an orc sword looks like and what uh, an elven sword looks like and then what the generic men sword like they have themes like all the people all the writers of rohan have similar looking swords all the elvish swords you have share a similar sort of theme and so i would give them themes and for all we know we've done that because we only seen one thing or whatever but within the themes you can do variations but i don't like the idea of just everybody's lightsaber is just randomly different like you if you're gonna have one unique snowflake like, oh darth maul is special because he has a double-ended lightsaber this guy's special because he has a t-shaped lightsaber well the dark side in the prequels everybody has a different lightsaber you got a curved handle lightsaber you got the, it should there should be a 
there should be a theme. Like Sith lightsabers should look like this with variations. Light side lightsabers should look like this with variations. I'm talking talking in terms of how many blades and where they are. Now I'm talking about handles, you know. Well, I mean, but I, I always sort of rebelled at the idea that the uh, all the Sith need to have red lightsabers. Like, well, what if you? What if that's not your favorite color? Like, what if you're a, like a Sith <laughs> and your favorite color is green? Like, that really sucks. <laughs> I'd be really yeah, it really that. hurts your stealth abilities too. Like you think, like <laughs> the main Sith thing would be, you know, Sun Tzu, well, Art of War. All our lightsabers should be blue or green. Why would we? Right, ever right. right. Because as soon as you pull out your lightsaber, they turn around like, oh, that guy's definitely evil. <laughs> we should just kill him right now. Especially if his lightsaber looks all flamey and staticky. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, if these people maybe are that's the good guy. It's going to yeah. turn out that that he's, he appears when we hear and light. Maybe he is the hero and he is <laughs> the Jedi, and this is all a giant screw you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will not be typecast by the there. color of my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> what if you like a purple lightsaber? Like Mace Windu. Yeah. I think there's some kind of, I don't know the details, but some kind of thing about the, the, the colors and the crystals and how difficult it is to make each one of them and all this. I think, was that? Yeah. I remember they had an episode in, in Clone Wars. About there's the an episode where they have to go find different crystals, but it's like, yeah, the hardest of all is the blue Dalmatian lightsaber. You, you can read more about this in my Jedi self-help book, What Color Is Your Lightsaber? Available on Amazon Tatooine. You were going to say that's your, that's your new fan fiction. <laughs> Could be. What color is your lightsaber? <laughs> Tips for Jedi at a crossroads. You know, I don't know. Anything more we should say about this thing? I mean, we've, we've only been talking for almost an hour about 80 seconds it, of Star it's, Wars it's, trailer. It's going to kill me oh. to wait a year now. And I really, you know, R. again, Dan. with the, I'm going to be, I hope I, yeah, when I was, uh, when I was much younger, um, I remember a story told to me by my cousin who was convinced she was going to die before Return of the Jedi came out. Cause like she, you know, so she saw the end of the empire in the theaters when she was a kid and she's like, I'm never going to make it to the end. <laughs> um, so yeah, in some ways it feels like a year is so long. Um, but at the same time, it's like trying to do the avoiding spoilers thing. I think it's just going to be really difficult. Um, I referenced in the in the Six Colors post I wrote the Phantom Menace soundtrack debacle, which was <laughs> oh yes the, the Qui Gon's funeral track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worst spoiler ever. Like two days beforehand, I bought the soundtrack, flipped it over. What? This guy dies. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to avoid. I as much as I want to listen to the soundtrack, gotta wait until after the movie comes out. Gotta wait. Yeah. So it's like careful. We're going into like lockdown between now and Dan, December 2015. Dan learned their lesson. The, the the episode seven soundtrack. Each track is going to be just like que- question marks. <laughs> character name funeral. Yeah. No, it's going to be character oh, yeah. name funeral. Every everybody track. dies. Right. Everybody R2-D-D's dies. funeral. C3PO's funeral. Like every character. <laughs> every main character in the movie. It's, it's misdirection. You don't yeah. know which. JJ Abrams is just trolling yeah. all of us. That's right. It'll be the special special edition, early edition. Yeah, I'm kind of glad this trailer does not meet my expectations because it's helping me tamp down like this it's helping me tamp down the enthusiasm for it to not repeat the mistake of episode one and try to keep my expectations in line you know yeah i i yeah i can't i can't do it like i'm trying i i admit that i'm trying but i'm i will never not love the idea of new stories in this universe i may be constantly disappointed but i love this <laughs> this universe so much that i'm always like i will never not be excited at the possibility that there will be a good story told well this, here. this marvelization of star wars is good in that like we now don't have to hang all of our hopes on the you know George every, couple, every couple of year releases from one particular tortured genius 
now it will be a franchise and if one or two are you know if we get some you know green lanterns mixed in as long as as long as we get them along with like the iron man don't, ones don't and, cross you know, the streams like, that's not even marvel don't cross i know the but, I, but i'm saying yeah, i know i know i'm saying like super, superhero movies superhero movies are sure. now a thing and it's not like we have to wait for and you know when we have a stinker superhero movie we're like Man, yeah. so what there'll be there'll be more more will be along in a minute just wait it's like a bus stop you know just don't worry <laughs> and so with the star wars one with them both doing the episode numbers and like the standalone films if these end up being stingers, it's not like now I'm crushed for the next three years or nine years or however long, you know, there's hope for the next one. Yeah. Because it's not the same crew making them. It's not the same people writing them. It's not the same people directing all of them. There is always hope. So this is like Dan said, this is actually our first chance to get on the big screen stories in this universe in a legitimate fashion. Because stories in the universe used to be movies made with the approval of George Lucas, which was not a particularly diverse way to get stories in this universe. Right, right, and the expectation level was so high, and there were there were they were all these perfect, you know, flowers. They had to succeed or fail, but there would be like one, and then they walk away, and it's years. And now it's a machine that's going to be putting out Star Wars movies every year, and hey, it's different. If if most of these are as good as you know the average Marvel movie, I will be pretty pleased. <laughs> I gotta say, my expectations are higher than that. If I if they are only as good as the average Marvel movie, I will be mis- disappointed. I'm hoping for some that stand out. I'm I'm prepared for there to be stinkers. I'm sure. Prepared. I mean, there's always Thor two. Hey, you know what? Yeah, and I exactly. like Thor two. Like the bell curve. I think the bell curve is is smaller here in terms of. I agree with John that I I want them to be better and higher than that. But if like if the worst one is as bad as a mediocre Marvel movie, like that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know if we have room for something like a Thor one because a Thor one, it's a silly movie. It's kind of a trifle, but it's fun. I have affection for it in that it's like, all right, whatever. Like, what can a Marvel superhero movie be like? It can be kind of more serious. Like, you know, the Captain America one was kind of more straight ahead, uh, taking itself some semi-seriously. But Thor was, you know, unabashedly silly and not the same you know not as heavyweight as the avengers and everything is all serious and stuff like that or not as as angst ridden as as hulk i don't know if we are yet ready for a light-hearted star the, movie the, in the, the guardians of the galaxy you mean yeah like that was that yeah in that direction or like you know i don't i don't know it will take a while i think you have to establish your good ones first you have to sort of do what the star trek reboot did was like here is here is an example of the form as you expect with with a modern twist uh and like what what frees you up to be able to make a goofy movie about droids or something i don't know uh this is not going to be the goofy movie about droids this has to be the straight ahead star wars movie and maybe after three or four of these, you're freed up. Whereas yeah, then was, then, was then you get the spinoff, which is like two hours of like Yoda bodily humor. <laughs> it's, you're gonna love that. You're gonna love it, John. Yeah, I, I don't like. <laughs> you have to you have to sort of uh, you have to sort of establish your credibility first to make the other sort of ancillary movies in the universe uh, work. And right. I, I don't know what the yeah. timeline is going to be like too, because if these these three movies are obviously going to be you know an arc that travels through i don't know how you weave the other movies in between them i don't even know what timelines are. and and it's a back it's the reverse to what we saw with the avengers right where we saw all the individual movies come out and then they culminate in the avengers now we're seeing the sort of tentpole thing ahead of time and then it sort of balloons out behind that into all these different properties so there is a lot there's a lot obviously riding on this movie but it also has the the best chance (laughs) This is the modern type of thing with both Harry Potter and the Marvel movies where you have a franchise with a corporate owner and the corporate owner is fairly savvy about or maybe not savvy, but at least not afraid to try different things. 
tried different directors, tried different approaches. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the Harry Potter movies varied wildly in, you know, in, in tone, in appearance. And I mean, obviously the cast was the same, but that's, that's what, you know, sort of, you sort of hold the story in the cast constant and see how you can vary within that universe. And they're not afraid to do that. They're not afraid to give, you know, this movie to Joss Whedon and this movie to, you know, someone else and like mix it up and try to get A-list everything. And if it doesn't work out, if some combination of people doesn't seem to gel, try a different combination. Don't just say like, he's our Star Star Wars guy. He's going to get the whole franchise like a showrunner for the next 15 years. A, no one wants to do that anymore, except for George Lucas, because this is his baby. Uh, he's out of the picture. And B... It gives you hope for the future and that no, no matter what this combination and this production team does or like Doctor Who, like you don't like this production team, you don't like this showrunner. Wait long enough. Wait long, long enough. Yep. It'll it'll cycle around again. So that gives well, me we'll hope. get inevitably we'll get the reboots at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the reboots. I want them to I want to see, a, 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 you know, original trilogy Star Wars reboot before I die. So someone get that on their schedule somewhere. I think you can safely say that that is in Disney's vault somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Marvel has has their schedule up to 2020 already, so I don't know what they're waiting yeah. for. I don't know how long they think they're going to live. They better get this in the planning stages. I'm available, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> they're, they're probably they're probably planning a lot. I I think I think we've heard some of the ideas about what what some of these inter, interim movies are going to be, and I think they're going over sort of classic characters and telling stories with them. I suspect that that may happen for the first few years, just as the Force Awakens and that storyline kind of goes forward um although i would love it to love to see a marvel-esque kind of thing where they're all kind of like sharing a universe and telling interlocking they stories or something yeah well, but yeah, right, so the right second now is going to be it's the, early the force the second movie is going to be the force hits snooze so that's yeah. really definitely <laughs> no, the force gets out bed. of bed <laughs> makes a cup of coffee yeah, and exactly. decides meh meh <laughs> yeah no i think the tv I think this does, you know, mesh in well with the idea of we're talking about like sort of what if there, you know, if there have been no more, no more Jedi or Force sensitive people for the last thirty years or whatever this covers, and all of a sudden now we're starting to see, you know, there are people with you got like kind of a the Flash approach where it's like now there are people with powers, but some of them are good and some of them are bad, mm. and we get to explore what that looks like yeah. over the course of twenty movies. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I I appreciate the idea that the, this universe is so rich that there are also that you could take the approach of having these anthology movies that are just on, just in the Star Wars universe somewhere at some time, and th- that seems to be where they're starting, and we'll see where they go from there. Um, I I don't know whether it's better. This is such a rich universe that having uh, going back and being able to explore Boba Fett maybe is not so bad, but. Um, you know, I don't know. I, the, the way the Marvel uh, universe thing has done it has been to have it all be intertwined and happening uh, yeah, I, simultaneously. I think, I think you can do that. The Marvel franchise has shown patience in that. Uh, obviously, if you if you know the comic book stories, you know where it's going anyway. But there is no equivalent comic book stories here. They can have the patience to, for example, have a movie about a fort sensitive person on a planet that we haven't really seen before, and just have it be like a personal story or like a coming of age story, and maybe maybe have it be a coming of age story like a. I'm not going to say a John Hughes movie in space, but like they're in Jedi high school and the, the people, you know, whatever, like just the whole kind like of my so-called, my so-called force sensitive life, you know, just to, to work your way into that. And then you're like, what was the point of that movie? It was just kind of a, or like a Harry Potter type thing. You know, you are a person with powers. There's problems with that. You have problems with your family, whatever. And it's like, what was the point of that movie? Well, you build that character up. And now that character is ready to step up to the next level of the franchise. And by, you know, several movies down the line, that person who you saw have a coming of age story or their their story of their life in the slums of, of, of Tatooine working for the Huts or whatever, 
that can culminate in each person who makes it out of each one of those individual movies becoming an important person as they meet in a, in a sort of secondary movie hmm. and they you know working your way up to what we assume to be the the important trilogy event which is you know good versus evil on a grand scale right could happen good it will happen i know i wasn't in any of these meetings do you believe that i know <laughs> <laughs> they're lost john they're yeah. lost what is their problem nobody uh, ever what asks they, what me. they pro- what they really see this is what they really lack is good ideas about what to do in the star wars universe if only someone we had here had some ideas about things you could do in star wars Does anybody have any ideas and they go around no. the table or just be nope. stone faces they'd be like i think the, no the problem idea, nothing. the I problem given is given any thought actually yeah the problem is star wars czar is like just a really difficult title to say all the time <laughs> Does anyone have any ideas anyone nope. nothing how about two lights? Yeah. Everybody go home and think about Star Wars for a little bit. It's obvious you guys have not done your homework. You know, you probably haven't given this franchise or this universe a lot of thought. Maybe think about it. Sure. All right. Well, I think we're done. I think we've done it. I think we've talked for more than an hour about a trailer that goes on for less than two minutes. I think that is incomparable hey, style. They have the, large. what do you call it? The uh, Star Wars Minute, where they have the 20-minute podcast about each minute of yeah, the original trilogy. Yeah, So we're still, we're still proportionally... Uh, reasonable yeah <laughs> sure okay fair enough all right well thanks to everybody out there for listening to our uh, sudden hastily uh, convened podcast about star wars things dan and john thank you both for being here and uh i love i love your enthusiasm about this and i i just want to say i think it's really great that star trek is coming back <laughs> what's coming back <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I'm just trolling you. They're now. making another one of those. Yeah, they are apparently, but not with JJ Abrams. He's busy in some other franchise. Whatever. The Force <laughs> will not be with you, Jason. <laughs> Never. Never. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.